welcome to the Taney Love Church Podcast. Our desire is to gather, train, and send those who are called to the kingdom. We hope this message inspires, uplifts, and equips you to fulfill the call that God has placed in your life. Thanks again. God bless. So real quickly this morning, um, I want to talk about a couple things. Uh, so at the end of this month, uh, what we're going to have is we're going to have what uh, we call a Vision Sunday. Now the reason why this is important is because God has plans and purposes for our lives. Would everyone agree with that? Now I'm not saying that everyone is supposed to be in ministry because that's not necessarily the case. But everyone is supposed to be available to do whatever God intends them to do, right? fulfill the call that God has in your life. We, all, we talked about this at the conference we had last week. God has a, plath, a path and a purpose for your life, and we should all fulfill that. But how, how many of you know it takes things, it takes money, it takes finances to fulfill those things? You know, you can only go so far with nothing, right? Uh, that, this, is why, this is why God's okay with us having stuff. This is why he is okay with us having good stuff. Because if I, if I, I, I just, if you represented, I, I've worked for some big companies before, okay? And this one company in particular, particular has over 40,000 employees. They're in 120 some countries, right? And when I would work for them, I would travel. Now, how many of you know I didn't drive a beater truck when I worked for them? I drove a brand new Ford Fusion, and I, when I picked it up, it had six miles on it, Okay? When we went to people's homes and talked to them, we wore, we, we, we wore nice clothing with, with a name badge and it had a, a logo of the company. I was, I was walking as a representative of that company. And wherever I went, people knew, well, that, they, look, look how well-dressed this person is. Look how they present themselves, right? If you're in a business meeting, you want to present yourself well. So why, why do people expect Christians or people of God to just give up these things? Why, why am I supposed to drive a beater truck? There's a lot of people who would be offended if I drove a, a brand new vehicle. We're getting in it now, aren't we? It's nice and quiet in here. <laughs> I'm going to take a drink and just let you all think about that for a minute. See, God, God has plans and purposes for our lives, and that those plans and purposes require things. Okay, And what you need to do is you need to hook your vision up with God's vision of your life. And so Vision Sunday is a declaration of what we feel God has asked us to do. And I want to share some scripture on this. And this is actually something that'll take place at the end of this month, so I invite you guys to, to come back. But, but here's the three areas that, that we were going to focus on when we do this. And, and this is actually some, some homework you're going to have. So if you want to write this down or put it in your notes or just if you have a good memory, lock it up. But there's three areas that, that we want to focus on. The first thing would be this, Okay. What would you do for the kingdom of God if money was not an object? What would you do? And that could be a, a mission trip. It could be, you know, starting a food pantry. I mean, what in your heart, if, if, if don't look at the dollar signs, but if you had unlimited resources, what would you do for the kingdom of God. That's the first thing. And what I, what I want you guys to do is over the next three weeks, I want you to actually sit down at some point and write this out. It can be one thing. It can be 12. You can bullet point it. You can write long sentences, whatever makes sense to you. But I want you to write down what you would do 
for the kingdom of heaven? What would you do? And it could be what you would do for the church, what you did yourself if you gave money to send people. There's no limit to this. What would you do for the kingdom of God if you had unlimited resources? That's the first one, okay? The second one I want you to write down is this. I want you to write down what you owe, okay? What your debts are, um, what your monthly expenses are, and what it costs for you to live month to month, okay? And the third thing is this, what you would like to have, okay, if you had unlimited money. Now, a lot of people don't like this last one very much, but I'm going to give you scripture for it. And there's a reason for these things. I believe the third one and the first one are closely tied together. Because if you're doing what God wants you to do, and your heart is connected with his heart, his word says he'll actually give you the desires of your heart. The first verse I want to send you, send you to is in Hebrews 11.1, 1, which says, I'll, I'll let you guys go ahead and get there, but most of you know this verse, but it bears repetition. I think Ben can have it pulled out. Yeah, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is, a, is an actual substance. It's tangible. And what it is, it is, it is the substance of things hoped for. And this word hope, I've said it again, but I'll probably say it every time we talk about it. This word hope does not mean what our common vernacular word hope means. Meaning a lot of people say, I hope mom buys me, you know, a pepperoni pizza for dinner. I hope dad brings me home a candy bar, right? That's saying I wish. But the word hope in the dictionary is defined as having confidence or, or mean, it means to expect with confidence, meaning it's a sure thing. It'd be like gravity, right? If I were to, if I were to li- hold the cell phone up and I were to let go, what would happen to the cell phone? It would fall, right? Why? Because gravity, right? It's a thing. If I let go, it falls, right? We can expect with confidence that when I let this go, it would fall. In fact, if it stayed or it went up, we would all probably freak out, right? <laughs> we'd, we'd run out. We'd be casting that devil. It'd be weird, okay? If this did anything other than fell, it would be, it would be wrong, right? Because it defies the law of gravity. That's what confident expectation is. So faith is confident expectation. It means you can expect with confidence what God has said. Okay? That's the first one. He, here's why this is important. In, in, I'm, I'm jumping around a little bit. The, wor- the word says that without vision, his people will perish. God has actually created us to be visionary people, right? This is why when you see a lot of people who don't have a purpose in their life, they also have depression or anxiety. And I'm not saying those two are, are, I mean, you can people have anxiety and have depression outside of that. But a lot of times when people don't feel like they have a purpose, there's a ton of anxiety. There's a, this is why suicide is a really bad thing because people don't feel valuable, right? They don't feel valuable to anyone or anything. They don't have vision for their life. And the word actually tells us that people that don't have vision and don't have prophetic vision, vision that's given from the Lord, that they will perish. That's what the Bible says. It says, without vision, the people will perish. And Habakkuk, he actually tells us to to write the vision down. He says, make it plain so that those that read it can run with it. Meaning God, God desires us to have vision for our lives. And I think some of you may have an idea of what this is. 
you know, not not to call out a bunch of people, but Jesse is doing something that a lot of people don't do. God, he got involved in, in firearms, and he's teaching, and he's training people because God has led him to do that, right? That's not, that's not by accident. It's what God has told him to do. And he has a vision for this. He has some great, amazing testimonies where God has put him in the right place at the right time and gotten sponsorships where people of his size, meaning the size of his channel, should not be getting. Now, that's not, that has nothing to do with me bragging on Jesse. It has everything to do with, to brag on God of what, Jesse's plan, what God's plan for Jesse's life was. But Jesse had to have a vision for it. Does that make sense? When he lies in bed at night, you want to know how much he thinks about what the next steps are? And it's not because he's trying to achieve these things from himself. It's, it's a vision that God has put in his heart. And he can run with it. And it's something his wife and his family are fully committed and hooked with. We, God needs us, desires us to have vision for what we're supposed to do with our lives. Let me ask you this. What, if, you were, if we were trying to recruit people to be Christians, okay, the idea that people have of what Christians are supposed to be is not very desirable. Christians are supposed to be, they say meek and humble, but they mean poor and quiet, right? They're not supposed to have nice things. They're supposed to be quiet and demure, and they're supposed to just grow old and die. <laughs> Am I wrong? It's the picture that, that people have painted of what Christians are, and then we're supposed to go tell people, hey, come and follow Jesus. It's terrible. We don't have any money. We barely make ends meet, but praise Jesus, right? It's incorrect. It's not scriptural. And, and, I, and, I, and, and, I, and I challenge you, if you don't agree with me, that's perfectly fine. I don't know everything that's in this word, but find me scripture within context and, and ha- let's have a conversation about it. That's my rule. If it's in this book, it's within context, I, I believe it. We have to. I mean, other, other than that, you're just falling on man's ideas, which falls in religion, which is not a good place you want to be. So, so God wants his people to be ambassadors. He actually says that we are ambassadors, right? We're supposed to represent who he is. So that means you should have things that represent God. I, what I want to do is I want to I make sure men- mentally we're separating the, the money side, meaning the desire to get money, versus having things that represent the kingdom because they're two different things. You can't, money can, and money and things cannot be at the forefront of your mind because you're putting it before God. But that doesn't mean those things are bad. God actually calls anything that takes more attention away from him an idol. Anything, okay? Anything can be an idol. Your family, your kids, your job, your car, anything, anything that takes more attention away from God, that's, he calls that an idol. Anything that pulls attention away from it. So a lot of people just say money, but it's anything and everything. So if, you, if money can be an idol, so can a chair, a lazy boy. I know some people who all they want to do is they want to get home and they want to sit in their chair. And that's, that's their quote-unquote wealthy place, right? I want to sit in my chair. I want to turn my TV on. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just my family. None of you guys have ever felt that way. So anything can be an idol. So let's, let's, let's try to challenge our mentality around this. Find scripture. Money is not bad. Things are not bad. Even having nice things is not bad. Would you guys, as a worship team, if we were playing instruments that were broken and were out of tune and didn't work properly, how would that go for the rest of you out here? Not so well. I, I promise you I would stop playing. It, would, it, would, it is like nails on a chalkboard. I can tell when a string's out of tune, and Ben and I look at each other, and we know it, and so we have to fix it quickly because it's awful, Okay. <laughs> 
That's not bringing glory to God. The word actually tells us to play skillfully. He says to sing with a loud voice. He tells us how to do these things. And to do these things, what he asks us to do, it actually requires quality things. You know, the, ma- the mentality that, that people think, well, that's, that's good enough for Jesus or that's good enough for the gospel, you're, you're demeaning who he is. You're putting him second place to something else. See, God, God has a vision and a plan for our lives. And, and for me, I want to be right there. I want to be doing what he wants me to do when he wants me to do it. Whether that's traveling, whether that's staying put, whether that's being in another country, whether that's selling all that I have and moving to Africa. Not that that's a desire of my heart, but if God told me to do that, guess what Mike is doing? He's selling everything he has, and I'm dragging my family to Africa. Now, they would be very happy to go. They're very, they're very gracious with the plan that God has with our lives, and we know he's proven himself enough to us that if we do what he tells us to do, he'll take care of us. So those are the three areas. What would you do for the kingdom of God if money was no object? What do you owe monthly? What are your debts? And the third thing was, what would you like to have? What's on your vision for yourself? And the reason why that third one is actually important is because it's a promise of God. Okay, let me, let me, sh- let me show you this. So you guys know where the book of Haggai is? It's the part of your Bible where your pages stick together a little bit. It's really easy to get there. If you go to Matthew, the very first book of the New Testament, and just back up a few books, you'll find Haggai. It's only a couple chapters. While you guys are turning there, would you guys please thank Mr. John? He shoveled our entire parking lot yesterday with his scooter. He actually used a shovel and plowed the whole thing. He probably did better than I could have done by myself. So, John, thank you very much for doing that. We greatly appreciate you. I was going to borrow the sho- I let him borrow my shovel the other day, and I went to go get it back. I said, yeah, I got I to gotta do the parking lot. He's like, well, why don't you let me do it? And I said, well, sounds good to me. I'm not going to fight you much on it. And you did a good job. So you, the reason why you didn't have to park in snow is because of John and his glorious scooter and shovel. He actually put the shovel in front of his scooter, and he, like, dro- he like plowed the snow. It was awesome. It was really cool. So he is for hire if you need a driveway. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Partially. You can talk to him. Okay. So in the book of Haggai, Haggai, H-A-G-G-A-I, how many, of you, how many of you would like to have that name? Haggai. I mean, mine's not far off, I guess. So I can't complain. Uh, in the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month of the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet of, uh, to Zerubbabel. I mean, that's better than Haggai, I guess. The son of that she someone the governor of Judah and to Josiah. Don't laugh. You guys come up here and say these names. <laughs> Thus says the Lord of hosts. These, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house. I'll read from this so it's the same thing. Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This the people say the time has not come, the time that the, Lord, it, the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet, saying, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? Basically what's happening is the people of this time, God didn't have a temple, okay? And the people of this time were saying, let's, build, let's get our own houses. It's not time to build the temple. And so the Lord basically said through Haggai, why, why are you considering your own houses and not my own. And I'll, and I'll kind of synopsis the next about 12 verses. Basically what happens is the Lord says, you have tried to do things your own way, putting yourself first. 
You've sown seed, but you don't reap much. You've put, you've made money, you've put it in bags, but there's holes in the bag, so the money falls out. You've, basically, he's saying, you've done everything you know to do, you've put yourself first, and you've tried to get ahead, but you're not getting ahead. But if you would have put me first, if you'll put my temple first, if you'll put my, my, my home first, then I will take care of you. And what we read to the next about 12, 15 verses, this is exactly what happens. They decide, they correct their hearts and they say, okay, let's go ahead and build God's house first because he's right. The prophet came, Haggai came, because they didn't have the Holy Spirit back then. Haggai, he, that's the guy that said the word of the Lord, right? He's the prophet. So they corrected their hearts. They built the temple. And what came out of that is God said, I am with you. Do you want God to say that he's with you in things? Then you need to put his house first. What does this have to do with vision? I'm about to tell you. In Matthew 6.33, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. The things that are be added unto you are the promises of God. This is what I'm saying. God is okay with you having things, but there's a requirement. Okay? And what is it? Seek him first. This is why the first thing on our list is what would you do for the kingdom of God if you had unlimited funds? This is important. It's important to God and it should be important to you. What would you do for the kingdom of heaven if you had unlimited funds? Seek first the kingdom of God and then these things will be added unto you. See, it's easy to sit here and, and, and I encourage you to dream up things and people put all kinds of things on this list. It's actually really funny. The first time we did this several years ago, my brother-in-law thought it was stupid and he won't mind me telling the story. And so he put a new truck, a loyal dog, you know, a gun. He just like put, he literally just like wrote random things down the morning of when we did this service. And within a year's time, all of the things he had on his list, he had. He had a 1979 Ford F100 with like straight pipes. The thing sounded like a tractor with a jet engine. He had a, a golden retriever dog. He had, he had gotten a new gun that year, and he put like four or five. Everything he had put on his list, sarcastically, he had gotten within that year. Now, now again, God, God is not upset with us for having things. I want us to get over this, okay? I, we have scripture for it. But what he doesn't want is the things to have us. And the reason why these lists are important is that we should stir them up. You should pull them out. You should look at them. What, what do I want to do for the kingdom of heaven if I just had unlimited funds? What would I want to do? And, and that's a serious question. Sit there, get quiet, and think about it. What would I like to do if I had all the money in the world? Would you like to go on a mission. And when you sit in there think, you you'll be thinking of some things and it'll just sound good. It'll feel awesome. That's usually the Holy Spirit confirming that thought. Because not everyone is supposed to travel and do missions. Right? Not everyone's supposed to sit in a church and pastor. Not everyone's supposed to be a prophet. In fact, some God puts business men and women in position to make money to support people who God sends. This is the, the, the kingdom of God works in every, God, God has doctors, God has lawyers, I know a lot of people don't believe that, but God does have lawyers, God has, God has CPAs, Buddy and I were talking about taxes the other day and how we both despise them greatly, but God has made gifted, account, gifted accountants, right? So God has people in every facet and every aspect of life. And we're all called to be in different places. So if you had unlimited funds, how could you fulfill what God has called if you to? And what would you do for him? You have to seek first the key. That's why it's the first thing on our list. And it should probably be the largest portion of your list. Doesn't have to be, but that's just, that's my own little side note, okay? The second thing I said is talk about your debts is because we are supposed to be responsible. 
The word talks a lot about, about looking at your accounts. Actually, if you read a lot through the Old Testament, a lot of people that God put in, in Egypt or put into bad situations, they were really good at looking what they had and managing it and being wise and proficient with it. God doesn't want us to be in debt, okay? He doesn't want us. It actually, the word says to owe man nothing but love. So it's something that we should strive to go after. And, and before you put yourself first, you should definitely put the things that you owe. Because here's the deal. I know it's really easy to look at a loan and think that you're borrowing from just some unknown entity. I mean, technically you are. But at some point at the end of that entity, there are people who have come together who have put money in a bank for you to borrow from. So you, you are borrowing someone else's money. It's not your own money. When you buy a house, when you buy a car, if you don't pay cash, you're borrowing money from someone else. The word says to pay back what you owe. And it even talks about interest, okay? It's, it's not ungodly thing, okay? But, it, but we're supposed to be responsible with our money. We're supposed to be diligent with our money. That's why it's the second thing in our list is because it, you put God first, then you put other people, people that you've borrowed from, people you owe, whatever it is, that second, because then the third person is, is the third thing you put it up there is yourself, Okay, we're supposed to love others before we love ourselves. Do you understand that? And the, the list for yourself can be anything. Like I said, my brother-in-law did a truck, a gun, a dog. He did it sarcastically. And, and, and I don't want you to get hung up. If you can't think of anything you want for yourself, don't put anything down. But I want you to, what, I, what we're trying to do is encourage vision for our lives. Encourage vision for your lives. What you're supposed to do, how you're supposed to do it. And like I said, a lot of times the second half of that list matches up with the first part of that list. I mean, at least it does for me. And if, I'm not saying... It has to for you. That's not me like saying I'm better. Anyway, don't stop that. So you're thinking wrong. Okay. <laughs> Cut it out. Cut it out. Okay. <clears throat> uh, I wanted to give you this verse because I said it earlier and just I want you to look at these things. Proverbs 29, 18, it says, where there is no vision, people perish. I don't know if I gave you guys that reference earlier, but I want to make sure I'm giving you scripture so you can put these things in front of you. Uh, ben, would you go to Philippians 4 and verse 6? I want to read something here to you guys. Philippians 4, verse 6, be anxious for nothing. That would be awesome right there. I would love to be anxious for nothing. That means there's not anything in this world that causes me a bit of anxiety. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Does he define what a request is here? That was a question you're allowed to answer. Did he say, that your requests that are only meant for other people be made known to God. Let your requests that are only for furthering, he said, just, he said requests, okay? It says, be anxious for nothing but in everything and prayer and supplication. I wrote this down. Supplication means it's the action of asking for something humbly. We're told in the scripture to come before the Lord humbly. To do that meaning you, you have a reverence in your heart, understanding that he is one above who you are. But don't be anxious for anything. So when there's things in your life that cause anxiety, what he's saying is don't get into anxiety, but humble yourself, come before me and ask what you need. See, the word, a lot of people say, well, the Bible says God knows what I need before I ask. Right, the scripture didn't say, I know what you need, so don't ask. He said, I know what you need before you ask, which implies the asking, right? The asking is part of it. 
See, the reason why the asking is important is it requires reverence. You understand that? It requires relationship. If we just could think of something we needed and God just provided it, we'd actually never have a relationship with him. Do you understand how how important relationship is to the Father? It's like the whole reason Jesus Christ died on the cross for us so we could be in relationship with the Father. It's the primary reason. Sin was in the way and needed to be removed for eternity. So Jesus came and died on the cross to remove sin so you could have access to the Father because God desired relationship. So the asking is important because it's part of fellowship with the Father. It's part of relationship with the Father. And he will give you the desires of your heart if you seek him first. That's the part that a lot of people don't talk. I know some people that I've, that I've met that talk about just getting things, and I, and I understand where they're coming from, but you have to put an asterisk there. You have to seek the kingdom of God first. God has no problem with you having things. He has no problem with you having nice things and having many of them. But here's what usually happens with that. Is it's a revolving door of things. Meaning you get something nice and God asks you to give it to someone. And when you give someone the nice thing, you get more nice things back. Because I told you that God uses us as as tools to further his kingdom. A lot of times there's things that you have in your house that are answers to someone else's prayers. A lot of times this happens, but what happens is we get attached to our things so we don't give, which is against what we're talking about. I, I would happily, I, I, I have already, in, in my lifetime, I've already given three cars away. Were they nice? Not really. <laughs> However, I have also been given three cars. And every time I gave and got a car, it was nicer and nicer and nicer. This truck that I have is the first car I ever bought for myself. We bought one van, we bought a car, and and these two ones. But when I was a teenager, before I met Becky, I never bought a car. I had three or four of them. I never bought a single one of them because I would get a car, I would use it, and then I would just give it away because I got a hold of this at a young age, and and the Lord put it on my heart. Now, the first one was a 1972 Volvo E420. It was shaped like a—it was like square and then flat and then square and flat. It was like a refrigerator on wheels. It was painted dirt brown. Like the badge on the door was dirt brown. That's the color it was painted. It was a four-speed. And sometimes if you listen to the radio too long, it would just die for no reason. <laughs> and you had to just wait about 20 to 30 minutes, then it would start up again, and you could drive home. So that was the first. So not, not a great seed, right? That's not exactly the best seed to sow to someone. But I gave it to someone who fixed cars and gave them to people who didn't have any cars. Okay. So what, what was given to me was a 1994 Jeep Cherokee two-wheel drive, which is the dumbest type of Jeep that there is, okay? Now, I was thankful because it was wheels and it was tires and it was a good thing. And so I ended up giving most of that vehicle away from a friend of mine, and what I got on the tail end of that was a really nice 1997 GMC Sonoma. It's like a little S10, a five-speed with a six-cylinder, and that was the nicest vehicle I'd ever had. And then my brother blew it up, but that's not the main part of that story. But God was faithful to me because I was willing to give away the things that he had given me. Does that make sense? This is how, this is how it can become a revolving door of you getting things and you giving things. Because we have, to be, we have to be willing to let go of the blessings that God has put on our lives. It's a really, really important part. And a lot of times God will give you something now that someone else needs in three or four years. See, God, God can see you way ahead into the future. And if we can all just be obedient and just listen, things will just, it would just be like 
things falling right into place. He'll give you, he'll equip you now for things that he has in three to five years, for other things that he has for other people next month, next year. There's actually a, a time in my life where I was believing God for money because I didn't have any and I needed some. And someone walked up to me and gave me $100, okay? They said, God told me to give this to you. And I thought, that's awesome. I'm so excited. This is the money that I needed. And I was walking out of the church that I was in and God showed me someone else. He said, give them that money. And I said, well, that doesn't make any sense because you gave it to me as my money. So I don't, that doesn't sound like you. And I didn't do it right away. And then again, it came up again. And I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but in my heart, my heart was being pulled toward this person. So I literally tracked them down and gave them the $100. Now, I don't remember what I, I needed the $100 for today, but obviously it was taken care of because I'm here today. <laughs> so all the bills were paid, all the needs were met. And this is what happens. God will give you things for you to enjoy, and sometimes you can enjoy them for a long time, sometimes you enjoy them for a short amount of time, but be willing to give because in the same measure that you give, you will receive good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will the Lord will put on men's heart to give things back to you. A- again, the emphasis isn't on the things. The emphasis is on the giving and, and the receiving so that we can give, so that we can receive. Do you understand that? As people grow and they believe on the Lord, think things become a little bit better, a little bit nicer, a little bit stronger because we understand that we have a good God who actually desires us not to break down every time we get into a vehicle who desires us to, to do well because if he calls us somewhere, we need to be equipped to go there, Right? If he calls us somewhere, we need to be equipped to go there. If God says, I want you to go to Africa and I want you to start an orphanage, how many of you know you can't do that with a couple thousand bucks in your pocket? It requires resources. This is why I refuse to talk bad about ministries who have planes, who have big buildings, who have resources, because one, I'm not in that position yet. And I don't know what God is doing in their lives. And I don't know what they do with that plane or that jet. I don't know who they're helping. But it's also not my job to know those things. And, and, and by judging them and by getting myself in a position of self-righteousness saying they ought not do that or they better do this or they better do that, I am limiting myself of what God can do in my life. Because I can do the same things in a smaller scale. Who knows, maybe in 10, 15, 20, 30 years, maybe this ministry has a plan. I don't know what God's, if that's not in God's plan, that's fine. I don't care. That's not, that's not my dream. It's not on my heart right now or anything like that. But how, why, why would I limit myself by judging someone else's and getting jealous of or looking at what they have and thinking that it's wrong? Or, you know, they could sell that plane and they can make millions of dollars and give it to the poor, right? Yeah, but everyone who has money could also give that money to the poor. It's important to do what God tells you to do with the things that you have. God does not care that you have things. He cares if things have you. Matthew 6.33 is the one that says, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. When you seek God first, he is happily able and willing to give you things. Matthew 11.23, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart will have what he says. How do you remove doubt? How do you remove doubt? It says, whoever says to this mountain, yeah, Ben, go ahead and pull that one up. Matthew eleven twenty three. 23. Whoever says to a mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, he will have whatever he says. How do you remove doubt with 100%? What did I say? Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. I read my own notes wrong. You remove doubt by hearing the word of God. 
When, when God puts his stamp on something, it's bigger than you. It's stronger than you and who you are and what you're doing. You know, if, if I were to tell you I'm going to buy you a plane, how many of you in this room would believe me? Be honest. If I said right now I'm going to buy you a plane, you probably would be like, I don't think you're going to do that, Micah. <laughs> Thanks for the, the nice gesture, but I don't think that's going to happen, at least not anytime soon. Because you can see where, my, where I'm at right now. I'm not saying someday I won't buy someone a plane. I don't know what God has for my life. But I'm not in the position to do that now. Now, if God said he's going to do something for you, it's something you can take to the bank, right? So you remove doubt by being aligned up with what God says. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. You believe and you don't doubt by hearing the word of God. When you put God first in your life, meaning your whole existence is predicated on you doing what God says for you to do every day, then, then you cannot doubt. That, that removes doubt because your vision is aligned up with his vision. And when he says he's going to do something, it's guaranteed. A lot of people look at this verse and say, well, I'm, I'm going to have a Ferrari in the name of Jesus. Now, is there anything wrong with Ferraris? No. Does God hate you having Ferraris? No. But you're removing God out of the equation. That's where the Lord takes issue. When you remove God out of the equation, you're, you're disqualifying yourself to receive the thing that he has planned for you because you're doing it in your own ability and you're doing it outside of who he is and what he's planned for your life. Does that make sense? So right, the, we're going to talk about this over the next few weeks. Becky and I are actually gone. Uh, next week we'll be down in Florida, uh, you know, out there doing the Lord's work, really just having a hard time. <laughs> we actually have a conference we're going to. We're pretty excited about it. That's my favorite joke. It's not a very good one. Uh, so we'll be back. <laughs> we're actually fly back next Sunday, but we fly back at like 7, so we won't be here for service. So Ben will be here next week. Um, he's got something planned. But uh, we'll probably do this at the end of this month. Um, or the beginning of next month, depending on how the schedule works out. But we're actually going to, I want you to write this stuff down. We're going to talk about it a little bit more when I come back, not next week, but the following. And we're, we're going to actually stand up. We're going to declare some things because that's what the word tells us to do. I, I don't want to overload you with a bunch of scriptures. We're going to talk about this more, but I just, I feel like this is a good basis for what we're doing. I think it's important where as a church, I'm actually going to share with you the vision that God has put on my heart for this church. So Becky and I do this personally, but as a church, as a ministry, God has put some things on my heart as a leader of this ministry that we're supposed to do. And so if you're called to this ministry, that means you're a part of that, right? And that's very, that's the thing. Honestly, that's what I'm more excited about. I am excited about Becky's and my uh, personal one, but I'm very, very excited about what God has for this church because it's exciting to me to be able to be partnered with him and doing whatever it is he asked me to do. Even if this was it, even if it was just the 12 people or however many people are in this room for the rest of eternity, knowing that I'm doing what God wants me to do is the greatest thing. It's the greatest understanding. And that's, that's walking in God's path and walking in the vision that God has for your life. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tanny Love Church podcast. For more information about us, visit us online at www.tannylovechurch.com and you can also check us out on social media on Instagram and Facebook.